0: Hey, good morning. Uh, We're in the middle of a series uh, called Red, and uh, if you haven't put one in one together, or maybe you're just here for the first time, uh, Red is all about the words of Jesus. Some of you have Bibles, and inside that Bible, uh, someone chose to take the words of Jesus and to put them in red. And so we're just taking uh, the next few weeks, and we're spending time just saying, you know, what would Jesus say about and we're filling in the blank, and every one of us has had that moment in our life where we said, boy, I I wish I could just ask. I mean, wouldn't it be so cool I could just dial Jesus on the phone or knock on, you know, and ask, hey, how should I handle this? And the reality is that this is the closest that you and I are going to get this side of heaven, is to go and put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples in those moments when Jesus paused and talked, and those words which have been captured for us in Scripture in red. So we're just doing that together for the next uh, few weeks. And today, uh, the conversation that Jesus has is prompted by a question by one of the disciples uh, by the name of Peter. And as you begin to read this passage and get into this story, you really get the sense that, that Peter has had this issue on his heart for a while, that, that he doesn't toss this question out casually, that instead he has waited for just the right moment just the right setting. It's even quite possible that He's waited till some of the disciples aren't around before He asked this question, and it was simply this, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive somebody who's hurt me? So, you get it. Somewhere in the heart of Peter, he's got someone, he's got a picture, he's got a face, He's got a moment, and he's asking. He's asking not only for himself, but he's asking on behalf of all of us. How many chances do I have to give? What is it that you require? How big is too big before you would say to me, no, 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 you don't have to forgive that. So I'm just asking Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive the person who hurt me? you and I have wondered that, haven't we? Every one of us who's had a friend betray, every one of us who's had a spouse who cheated, a parent who was harsh and rejecting, every one of us who's had a boyfriend who pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and then when he got what he wanted, he left. Every one of us who's had a child who rebelled for no good reason but simply turned their back. Everyone has just had a boss that was completely unfair. And our hearts have asked, how many times? How far is too far? How big is too big before I'm off the hook on forgiveness? Heard a story about a guy who was running his dog, big old, huge, monstrous Doberman Pinscher. And he's, he's out jogging with his dog and gets to the convenience store. Just so happened the convenience store was kind of like at the halfway mark. He thought to himself, I'll just, I'll go inside, I'll get something to drink, and then we'll run on home. And so, so as he gets up to the convenience store, he, he takes the, the leash from the dog, and, and, he, and he hooks the dog up to the bench there at the store. Goes on inside. Now... The dog didn't notice that his owner had gone in. You know, dog's doing what dogs do, sniffing, looking around. Suddenly, the dog looks up, realizes his owner is nowhere in sight. The dog does what dogs normally do in that moment and decides he's been abandoned. So, he begins to run aimlessly in search of his owner in absolute panic. He pulls the bench. The bench breaks loose from where it's at. The dog takes a hard turn through the parking lot at the convenience store. Of course, the bench is swinging around as it goes, smack dab into the side of a brand new pickup truck. You think the dog is deterred? Not a chance. Keeps on heading through the parking lot, now the bench is swinging back the other way, hits the back end of a Camaro, and the dog is heading right for the highway. You and I that struggle with forgiveness are a lot like that Doberman. See, we're we're hooked up to bitterness. We're we're you ready? Leashed to unforgiveness. And we go through life and and we're hitting and bumping and scraping into things, and people go, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Why are you reacting so strongly? Why does that bother you? Why are you angry so fast? All I said was. And if they only knew what you're dragging along with you, they'd understand. So I'm just asking this morning, how many times do I have to forgive? How much is too much? How big is too big? For forgiveness. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Matthew. Jesus is going to answer Peter's question. Matthew chapter 18. If you're not real familiar in your Bibles, if you go to the back, start working to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew. It's the beginning of what we call the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew chapter 18. And here's what I'd like for you to do as we get ready to read this passage together. Would you simply answer this question? Who's on your bench? Who's who's that person who has hurt you and wounded you? Who's that person that causes your heart to ask? Really, God? You want me to forgive that? Have you really considered? Have you really understood the moment? Do you get how deeply they wounded me? And who's on your bench? <laughs> you know what's crazy? Some, some of the people we have on our bench are dead. aren't even around anymore. They're a parent who treated us poorly. or But boy, they're sure alive in our hearts, aren't they? So, I'm just asking, who's on the bench? Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 verse 21, then Peter said to Jesus, came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, it's interesting that Peter asked that. Here's probably what prompts that. The prevailing teaching of the day by the rabbis was is that you and I were obligated to forgive three times. Now, Jesus, now, Peter, knowing that Jesus is kind of a softie, doubles it and adds one, you know? So, he's trying to impress Jesus. Look, look, look. I, well, seven times? Would that work? Would you let me off the hook if I forgave seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, you get, Jesus is not asking you and I to post a whiteboard in our kitchens. <laughs> and he's at 69, I'm gonna be able to get him really soon, you know, I, that's not what Jesus is, Jesus is going, look, 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 more than you wanna bother adding up, that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's just saying, look, look you haven't even come close, Peter. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, take 10,000 talents, roll it into today's economy, you ready? Ten million dollars. Now, we don't know what he did. We don't know where he invested. We don't know who he loaned to. All we know is this, it went bad. And now he's having to stand in front of the guy, the, the master and give an account, and he has lost, he's down 10 million. There is not a chance in God's green earth that he is ever going to be able to pay that back. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant, verse 26, fell on his knees before him. patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. The servant's master goes, you can't. There's not a chance. And so instead, canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 11 bucks. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, see, the other servants go, that, that is crazy. How could he behave that way? How could anyone who's been forgiven that much not forgive? And they were greatly distressed, and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. And when the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how, this is how your heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus is teaching Peter. Jesus is teaching you and me, words of red, two principles about forgiveness. First one's this. Jesus simply says, look, look, I'm only asking you to forgive the way you've been forgiven. That's all I'm asking. You know, I, I don't know, but I, I hear the story, I, I get there and I go, that is so obvious. I mean, what, what's wrong with the servant? What's, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, he just got forgiven $10 million. And now he's choking a guy over 11 bucks. How can that be? What was going through his mind? See, best I can come up with, he's going, look, look, look. It was no big deal for the master to forgive me 10 million because the master's got so much. $10 million is nothing to him, but $11 is a big deal to me because I don't got much. It's easy for Him to forgive. You get in the story, as Jesus tells it, you and I are the servant. You and I are the one forgiven ten million. And I think it's so common in our lives that we go, look, it's okay that God forgave me, because it's easy for God to forgive because God's kind of in the forgiving business. You know, that's His job, it's not my job. When you and I say, hey God, thanks for forgiving the 10 million, thanks for taking everything I did, thanks for taking every moment that I ripped your heart out, thanks for taking every moment of my disobedience, thanks for taking every lie, every lustful, Thank, thank, th- thanks, pretty cool. And then we say, but that's easy for you. You're God. You've missed it. Guess who wrote the rules that you and I violated? Guess whose face we shook the fist in every single time we sinned? Guess who we spat on in that moment? What if I were to say to you, that, person that's, in your, that the person that's on your bench, that person you're struggling with, I want you to forgive them, and here's the thing, here's the catch in forgiving them. The only way that they can be made whole, the only way that they can truly know forgiveness is one of your kids needs to die. You realize that's how God had to navigate your and my forgiveness, that the only way for God to take care of your and my stack was that Jesus had to go to a cross to purchase your and my forgiveness. And the reality is, is not just my bricks got tossed on Him, but everybody else's bricks. Easy? God, you don't get it. My brick is different than those bricks. What that person did to me is unique. See, I don't know if you noticed or not, there's, there's a little chip right here. And, and if you look at the colors real close, it's kind of swirly. So, so this is different than, than, than what you forgave me for. And Jesus simply asked you and my, me this, how can you and I be forgiven so much and refuse to offer forgiveness for this? How's that possible, he asks. There's a second part, there's a second principle here that, to be honest with you, if, if, if God let me rip stuff out of the Bible, I'd, this would probably be like one of the first things I'd rip out. Go back to the passage with me. Chapter 18, verse 32. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother, from your heart." How does that work? Here's what happened when you and I got wounded, when you and I got hurt, and we responded with bitterness and anger. When we stopped and said, look, look, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. I'm going to mark the moment. I'm going to put Fred on the bench. I'm going to stick Alice where she belongs. And what you and I did in that moment is we said, okay, and I'm going to bind them there. I, I'm going to wrap this around them until they beg for forgiveness, till they fall on my, at my feet and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to bind them there. I'm going to, you ready? Leash them there. Here's what you and I missed. In that moment, guess who got leashed? Me. Me. The truth is, they didn't even notice. It's why I walk into the room and they're fine. And I'm going, Whoa, 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 how can you be fine? Can't you see I'm leashed here? Can't you see how deeply that bothers? Can't you see I'm aching? What's wrong with you? And they go, Hey. And you just want to puke, you want to slap them. So, here's what we do. We say, well, maybe if I bind you a little tighter here, then you get who's leashed, right? You get who's tortured with bitterness and anger, and it's why you and I go through life dragging this. Are you ready? Guys, Probably causing just as much damage in the lives of other people because we're swinging the bench through the parking lot of life and wounding others, not even realizing because we're dragging that with us. Some of you guys know a little bit of my story and that. When I was nine, my my parents divorced. I thought as I was growing up that I was in the perfect Christian home. My dad was unfaithful to my mom. The marriage came apart. I remember, I remember as a nine-year-old boy, as clearly as I'm sitting here in front of you today, standing in the front lawn in front of my house as my dad is loading the last boxes in the car to leave. And saying to my dad, Dad, you can't do this. If you love me, stay. And my dad, without saying a word, turned and left. I swore to myself in that moment, I I will spend the rest of my life hating that man and hating the God who let this happen. That'll show them. Years later, I'm sitting in a car in front of that same house with a friend who looks at me and says, Lynn, you realize that your dad has incredible sway over your life, that that your dad influences just about every decision you make. And I said to my friend, are you crazy? I've spent a lifetime hating him. I've spent a lifetime saying, look, 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 what would my dad do? I'll do just the opposite. I've taken just about every decision I've ever made and said, what would just tick off my dad? And I did that. (laughs) What do you mean? And he said, exactly. And what you and I don't get is a part of you, ready? This being tortured when you and I live lives in bitterness. Is that you and I live lives dragging them and that and the moment and the ugliness and the hatred and the bitterness with us. And it becomes a screen through which almost every one of our decisions is made because we simply say, I wonder what so-and-so would think about this. I wonder what Nancy would think about my kids. I, I I I wonder I wonder what my partner would think now that I'm successful. Tortured. Why is forgiving so scary? Why, why, why does this just? I mean, let's be honest. This freaks us out. The idea of of. Letting them off of saying, you're forgiven. Why is that so hard? I think for some of us, it's because they haven't asked, right? I mean, we go, no, 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 I'd forgive, I'd forgive. All they have to do is ask. Let me ask you a question. How's that working for you? (laughs) What if... What if they never ask? What if they never understand? What if they never admit they were wrong? What if they never get it? You're going to spend the rest of your life waiting for them to ask? I think some of us struggle with this because we go, man, I feel a lot of things, but I don't feel like forgiving. You know, Lynn, if I was just being honest... You know what I feel like? I feel like the next time they walk in front of my car, stepping on the accelerator. You know, maybe if I saw them kind of bruised and battered in the rearview mirror, then maybe I would feel a little more forgiving. You, you get that That if you wait till you feel like forgiving that person, it'll never happen. That that day will not come. And that really, if you and I are going to forgive the way that Jesus forgave, then you and I've got to be willing to forgive when it doesn't feel good and even before they ask us to forgive. You, you remember the moment Jesus is hanging on the cross? There's a couple guys there spitting on him and hitting him with sticks. He's got nails through his hands. And what are the words that Jesus speaks? Father, forgive them. Forgive these guys who haven't asked. Forgive these guys who are hitting me and spitting on me right now. They have no idea what they're doing. I think another reason that we struggle with forgiving is that we have this idea that forgiving somebody lets them off the hook, that, that all of a sudden it's like, it's like pretending, it's like, it's like make-believe that it never happened if I forgive. Do you know that that's completely unbiblical? That's not what forgiveness is in the Bible. Forgiveness isn't, oh, hey, we're best friends again. That's not forgiveness. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Romans. It's going to be a little bit to the right. It's Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, here's what it says. Verse 19 Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. How many are going, burning coals? That sounds pretty good. I'm, I'm not sure I ever saw that in the burning coals. Really? Sign me up. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me me explain. Forgiving somebody is not pretending it didn't happen. Matter of fact, I'm just going to say to you that if you, in the act of forgiveness, restore that person to exactly where they were before, you're dumb. You're dumb. That's not what forgiveness is. Your child borrows the car, goes out, rips it up driving through the fields. Breaks the axle, comes home, says, Hey, Mom, Dad, will you forgive me? Yeah, we'll forgive you. Can I borrow the car? No! Forgiveness and trust are two completely different issues. Forgiveness just simply means you can go to sleep tonight, son, and not worry that I'll stab you in your sleep. That's (laughs) forgiveness, okay? That's forgiveness. I won't get even with you. But wait till God does that whole coal thing, you know, that... Forgiveness doesn't mean you pretend like it never happened, that everything goes bad. Forgiveness simply says, I will not exact revenge. I will not sit here waiting for you to apologize. I will not try to bind you up emotionally. You're off my hook. Now it's you and God. You and God. Forgiveness is simply saying this. I believe that God gets the moment better than I do. I believe God understands why you did what you did better than I do. And whatever God needs to do with you, I'll let God do that, but you don't owe me. Just deal with Him. Let me see if I can help, especially with the burning coals part. (sighs) Some of you guys are going, man. Any of you guys remember elementary school? Every elementary school had man-child there. Remember man-child? He was that sixth grader that looked like he was a senior in high school. Remember what I'm talking about? Something happened to their growth hormone. They were already six foot two, hairy. What was that? What was that? And you remember that Manchild's job was to go around and torment the rest of us. Remember that? Okay. Any anybody here was Manchild? We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Please acknowledge we want to get even. And here's what Manchild would do on the playground. Manchild would wait on the playground until you and I were not looking, would sneak up behind and pop you one. Remember that? And then man-child would run. And as man-child was running, they would look over their shoulder to see what you were going to do next, because the way the thing game was played was you were now supposed to chase man-child. You were supposed to get vengeance on man-child. Remember that? What if in that moment when man-child snuck up behind, popped you one, started running away, looking over their shoulder, you said, God bless you. That's really what God's saying here. You get that? But God is simply saying here, look, look, look. When they pop you one, when they betray, when they wound, when they hurt, don't pursue. Don't chase them down. Don't exact your vengeance. Forgive. Because in that moment, you will absolutely confuse man child they'll wonder what's wrong with you. And guess what God'll do next? He will heap burning coals of you ready conviction upon their heart. Cuz they're no longer fighting with you, struggling with you, arguing with you. And now they get it. Their problem is with God. And God says in the moment you forgive, you suddenly give God permission To deal in their lives with freedom. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Think think about this. What if the very wounding, the very betrayal, the very hurt that happened in your life and mind was actually the hand of God? You go, Lynn, Lynn, that's impossible because what happened to me was sin. And God doesn't sin. How could it be the hand of God? I know God doesn't sin but he allowed it, didn't he? He knew what family you were going to be born into. He knew what was going to happen when you got that job. He knew what was going to happen when you dated that. He allowed it, didn't he? And what if that very wound, what if that very hurt, what if that very wrong was God working in your life to teach you something you would have never known, to get you ready to minister to others who would hurt that way themselves? What if the very thing you and I have been bitter about was the hand of God in your life? As a nine-year-old boy and watching my dad walk away, I said, Whoa, I will hate the God who did this. You know, I look back right now, and what I realize is my dad, when he walked to that car, was heading off to a life of absolute destruction. He was going to make decisions for the next 15 years of his life that literally on every account were the wrong decision. And there was a nine-year-old boy who worshipped him. And if he had stayed home, if he had stayed in my family, can I tell you where I wouldn't be today? Is it possible that the very thing you and I have been so deeply angry about that God allowed that moment so that you and I could forgive and that you and I could become. Some of you are wondering about the dog. He ran out in the road, the semi, no, I'm teasing. (laughs) Owner of the dog saw the dog running through the store, from the store, went outside, called the dog's name. The dog, hearing the master's voice, immediately hunkered down. And even though he was in the first lane of traffic, car stopped, owner walked over to him, led him back to safety, unhooked him from the bench. Exactly what Jesus wants to do with you and me. And if you and I today would listen to the voice, here's what I'd like for us to do. Some of us, the whole time we've been, to, you've got a face, you've got a name, you've got a moment. What would happen if you and I forgave? Let them off the hook and just simply said, God, God, look, you know the circumstance. You get what they did. You know it better than I do. And I, I'm just going to say, I'm going to trust you to be God and not me. You do whatever you need to do to them. I just need them off my bench because this is killing me. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. I'd like for us to take our hands, make a fist, and while we pray, we're going to go, woo, woo, woo. No. <laughs> No, here's what I'm going to do. Did you know the very word forgiveness means release? Let him go. And I'm just going to ask that as we pray, somewhere in this prayer, you find the moment, you think the name, you see the face, and let him go. Dear Lord Jesus, we're coming before you right now and God, so many of us in this room have come here with our fists clenched, with the leash so firmly attached in our hearts and our lives. And God, we're simply going to choose this morning, not because we feel like it, but because you asked to forgive. To forgive with the same forgiveness that we've already tasted. In our own lives. And God, we're simply gonna say, You're smarter than us, and you know better than us, and you know what that person needs, and you know what needs to happen next in their life. And so we simply release them to you to do whatever you need to do with them. God, we're just being, we don't feel like forgiving. We choose to forgive because you forgave us. In Jesus' name, amen.